Cynic Empowerment. Last time on Cynic Empowerment. From the Natic couple inviting singles, couples, and swingers to their house to party after 10 p.m. every night. So every night, people were advised to go to their house saying they were a freaky couple that were looking to hook up with single people, couples, and swingers. So like random freaks. Not freaks. We're not yum yuckers, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Random people with like shotgun-sized bones. They benefit them, mm-hmm. and, and then they'll like read into it just enough to be able to claim that they have some type of authoritative knowledge on the subject. Um, like the number of times that I've been caught in a, a conversation about like tax codes with boomers it's just like why, why am i here again like mm-hmm. i don't understand why i'm discussing mm-hmm. this and like do you even know all the taxes that you have to pay and i'm like oh my god like this again <laughs> why is it you even know why you pay property tax do you know where the property tax in your state ultimately is disseminated to <laughs> <laughs> the jews I mister i don't know yeah the jews all right, all right so you uh, just looking, just skimming through a random article, it was Carter, not Reagan, who brought the religious right into national politics, even though they uh, turned on him later. Carter won the Southern Inve- Evangelical vote in 1976 by advertising himself as a born-again Christian. Like Reagan, later Carter, the folksy farmy farmer and veteran from the plains of Georgia, appealed to the nostalgia of white Americans in the 1970s for a simpler, more mm-hmm. rural, traditional society. Yeah. Carter, not Reagan, pioneered the role of fiscally conservative governor who runs against the mess in Washington, promising to shrink the bureaucracy neoliberal, balance the budget neoliberal. Early in his administration, Carter was praised by some of the right for his economic conservatism. Ronald Reagan even wrote a newspaper column titled Give Carter a Chance, the most conservative Democrat in the White House. Since Governor Cleveland, Carter fought most of his battles with Democratic liberals, not Republican conservatives. Uh, Carter, not Reagan, presided over the dismantling of the New Deal regulatory systems in airlines, railroads, and trucking, intended to reduce inflation by reducing the cost of essential infrastructure to business. Carter's market-oriented reforms have backfired, producing constant bankruptcies and predatory hub and spoke monopolies in airline industries, the oligopolistic private railroad industry that have abandoned passenger rail for freight and unpaid, and it keeps going. You said oligopolistic. My uh, my capitalist buzzwords are going off. I need to. I think I won the bingo. Like, uh-huh. Oligopol. Wait. Oligopolistic expialidocious. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it just fucking keeps going. So yeah, he he kind of just started breaking. Like he he kind of showed that it was possible to start dismantling these things that we just kind of accepted as institutions of American society. And Reagan was like, "Oh, I could do that. I I could do that all day." Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna fuck all this shit up. It's like we're gonna do all of that bad shit, but then we're instead of being like a pussy on the world stage, we're gonna be the biggest war hawks you've ever fucking seen. You don't even know. <laughs> we're going to do both. Um, well, both Reagan and Bush were involved in the Middle East. Wait, what is it? The Is it the Gulf Wars? Everyone's been involved in the Middle East. What was the... So the Gulf yeah. Wars was, was which, but, which presidency? Was that... Uh, we've been involved in the Middle East since World War II, but yes. Oh, the Gulf War was 90 to 91, so that was H.W. But, 
Okay. So I know, I know that uh, we had friendly relationships with Saddam Hussein at one yeah, point. Yeah, we gave Saddam Hussein hell of money and weapons and trained his troops to go kick the shit out of Iran. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. hey, go kick the shit out of Iran with us. We trained Osama bin fucking Laden. We trained the Mujahideen to kill Soviets in Afghanistan, and they became the Taliban. Oh, what a cruel twist of fate. It's what you'd expect, really. I- I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> like, I w- there's this book called American Savagery by... Oh, fuck. Uh, I know his... The manag- okay, The Management of American Savagery. Max Blumenthal. There you go. Thank you. Okay, I haven't finished listening to it yet, but it basically starts with the basically how the United States has been managing like Islamic terrorists in the Middle East since the Mujahideen in what they're under I think that was the Reagan administration and uh, back then it was a classy thing for richity rich uh, conservatives to basically mm-hmm adopt a mujad hadeen that like you know how you can like adopt like a poor kid in africa and send them money every month that but a mujad hadeen you're some rich ass republican gop person and it's like hey look here's my islamic terrorist that i'm personally funding in my my islamic terrorist adoption program to go kill soviets (laughs) i was just like what Take responsibility. Yeah. Step up to the plate. Do something about the war in Afghanistan. But this thing. But yeah, yeah. If you want to get like a really thick look at that, that's a that would be a good book. I, I, I haven't I haven't finished it yet, but it's like it's dense as fuck, and it's just like it's kind of like uh, Noam Chomsky, where it just states things, and then this happened, and then this happened, and this happened. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like eight, this happens ago. I I was lost. Wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, it's like uh, missing the first day of basic mathematics class, and the rest mm. of the time they're trying to build off of that subject. Like, I don't fucking know. I'm, I'm, can we go back to the pluses and the minuses part? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Jesus. no, it's fucked. But anyways, what did you want to say about the Gulf War? Uh, I don't want to say anything about the Gulf War. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, let's see, what did I want to say about the Gulf War? Why did I bring that up? Bum, ba, dum, ba, dum. Uh, I, well, it was, it was mainly the same situations. Uh, like there was a lot of. Uh, it was like I, I remember there being a particular campaign in the Reagan administration that might have led into the Bush administration, in which they acted as arms dealers to um, to various Middle Eastern countries, and then denied wrongdoing and threw a bunch of their uh, oh, administrators. Wait, are you talking about the Iran Contra? Maybe. Where basically they were, they the Reagan administration was funding the Contras in South America by selling weapons to yes, Iran. That's who it. We had sanctions against and weren't supposed to be selling weapons to. Yes. And then George them, like, Herbert Walker Bush came in and pardoned everybody that was involved. Mm-hmm. The yeah the the McFarlane affair. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's it's real neat. Uh, giving. Yeah. money and weapons the south american fascists that the yeah, congress like the fucking congress wouldn't fund so it's like we can get money we can get money all day it's fucked up mm-hmm. the official justification for the armed shipment was that they were part of an operation to free seven american hostages which is fascinating that you can you can blow a, it, it, 
you just need to give somebody a little bit of a reason to believe something, like just a, a little bit of validation, and, and they don't need a sufficient amount of it. Um, so saying that you know f seven American hostages were worth, uh, or, or that that was even going to have any kind of measurable impact on the situation by just shipping arms to them. It's like, well, we have to give them away in order to break these seven American hostages free or something, something to that effect. And then everybody that's watching the situation play out are like, oh, well, it's seven American lives at stake, so we have to do something about it. It's like, do you understand how many American lives are lost every day uh, in just regular old capitalism, just whatever's going on? It's like, oh, go to a yeah. metropolitan city. Just, just, just go into a busy town center. And there are people all over the place that are literally dying before your eyes. Right. Like, why the fuck do you care about this? It's like, is it because it's imperialistic in nature? Is it because a bunch of like well-groomed, uh, like stupid white dudes are standing around a, a fancy desk and signing papers? Like, what? Right. What What validates this situation? Yeah. So yeah, Jimmy Carter appealed to the evangelical right. Yeah. Before and, it was uh, cool. Before it was cool, although it was probably staring a lot of previous leaders right in the face as being one of those low-hanging fruits that they could just pluck and receive a large large backing just on the basis of claiming that they were also that religious group. That thing you are, I'm also it. Yeah, we that thing together. <laughs> so Never by proxy, I'll make decisions that you want me to make because I have some kind of higher power that's guiding my hand. Yeah. <laughs> I, every time I make a decision, I just blindfold myself and let God do the work. Yep. He knows. We put the power in his hands. Jesus, Ugh. take the wheel, as they say. Yeah. Who's that? Who's the guy with the, the crazy eyes and the, the big, like, uh, like heavily creased smile? He's, he's fucking insane. Um, Wait, which one? Wait, what? Is it? Pat Robertson? Oh, yeah. Even he's upset, been upset with Trump lately. Let me make sure I got the President right Trump, that ain't cool! <laughs> Have you seen that? <laughs> no, it's Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth oh, okay. Copeland's who Pat I'm talking Robertson about. Pat Robertson also, I mean, yeah. I, I get my, uh, my crazy evangelical people mixed up sometimes. Well, we've I've got one crazy evangelical person story for today. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we we got uh, we got a lot of good stories, man. We're all we, over the place. We got I gotta find her again. So there's this lady named uh, Stella Stella Emanuel, and uh, she's in I think Austin, Texas, and she had made this controversial video touting uh, hydro hydroxychloroquine as a cure for COVID. So of course that made her super popular with all the right aids that mm -hmm. just like things that reaffirm the things they want to believe is true. And they're like, yeah, this person's fucking lit as fuck. She's a goddamn doctor. And she says hydro hydroxychloroquine's cool. So therefore she can be cool. But, uh, uh, Stella Emanuel has a long history of touting, uh, extremely, uh, not scientific things as things, mm -hmm. for example, suggesting that, uh, wait, including blah, 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 claims that I think alien DNA is used in certain med medical procedures and also making claims that if you get cyst 
or other kind of uh, sores in your vaginal area, it's because you had dreams about having sex with witches and demons. Yeah. Yeah, infertility and impotence are caused by sex with spirit husbands and spirit yeah. wives. And, that's yeah. fantastic. And Having that's, sex with people in a dream world. Hmm. And I I found an hour-long video of her preaching because she's not only a practicing... Uh, I think she's a pediatrician doctor, so she's like working on children, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, she's she doing that, but she's also a preacher. And there's this hour-long service I found that I started watching, and it is clusterfuck. Oh, I found it. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not going to have time to probably watch the entire thing, but... Oh, it, uh, she's got a... Apparently in 2015, she had an Illuminati plan that had been concocted by witches to destroy the world. That's great. That's pretty awesome. Using abortion, gay marriage, and children's toys. Which of these things is not like the other? Yeah. <laughs> children's toys? Really? I mean, are they like the children's toys that look like dildos? <laughs> that would be a little disturbing. They will explore themselves and ultimately lead themselves astray to the Illuminati's plan to destroy the world. Oh, it was a magic A-ball toy. So she was talking about, um, you know, divination. Oh, like, oh, you're using divination. That's bad. The Bible says bad. You're divinating. Yeah, a tool to get people into witchcraft. That's fascinating. Magic A-ball. Will I kill my mother tonight? No. Damn it. Guess I can't do it. Oh, and she also, so she got, I think her Facebook profile got taken down for spreading false information. And she made a tweet saying, Hello, Facebook, put back my profile page and videos up or your computers will start crashing till you do. You are not bigger that God, I promise you. If my page is not back up, Facebook will be down in Jesus' name. Hmm. I wonder how that worked out. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it, it's kind of incredible. 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 She's incredible. Uh, she wanted to meet with Trump. Oh, gosh. That's pretty rough. Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't take much. People want to believe what people want to believe, and even the, the slightest hint uh, of information <laughs> yeah. that they believe backs their opinions will be clung to and elevated and uh, put on a platform underneath a glass case for all to see. Yeah, it's incredible. It's like, we conservatives hate the intelligentsia. Fauci is a liar and bad. We hate him. And then this lady comes on the scene. It's like, look, she is part of the, the intelligentsia, and she believes what we believe. She yeah. is lit, and, what, and we are validated. It's like, but your arguments of why you can't believe these people, you're now flipping back on them and saying that's why you can... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's just sheer hubris. Mm -hmm. yeah, how could you? How could you believe someone that says something counter to what you claim to believe? Is this, this is not something that people deal with in the rest of the world, right? Like this is a uniquely American thing. I mean, everyone does it to mm -hmm. one extent to an to another. I just don't think that there is. Um... I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, I'm sure in some parts of the world these factions exist, but I just think in most other major Western nations, they haven't 
turned COVID into a political tool like we have here of the yeah. whole, like, I don't think there, I could be wrong. So I'm sure someone could point me out where I'm wrong, but to my understanding, most, most, uh, major nations, their, their government hasn't split lines of we're the pro mask. We acknowledge COVID exists and we're the anti mask faction. So I feel like, I don't know. I feel like this could have very easily been not turned into a political thing, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was inevitable in our mm. country because of what we were talking about earlier of that the greatest freedom is choice. And so having the choice to not wear a mask yeah. is ultimate freedom. <laughs> I don't know. Right. It, you For some reason, you always have to give the option for people to do evil. Otherwise, doing good has no equitable or no um there's no balance uh you know if, if everyone is always forced to do good then how in the world do you know what good actually is? yeah i feel like i've heard someone make that argument before of why you gotta do something mm-hmm. well it's i mean it's really common in the whole like good versus evil argument yeah um, oh of why god allows bad things to happen right. or free will right yeah. God has to allow free will and bad things to happen because if you had to choose the good thing, what is good? Good could only exist with bad. So therefore, you got to have the option for good yeah, and good. bad. Yeah. It's a it's a mental gymnastic so you in can order choose to justify good. why God would allow it. It's like, well, he's wait, he's a perfect just human or not human. He's a perfect just deity uh that looks that, like humans. Yeah, totally infallible, omnipotent, omniscient. And yet, he's going to allow this thing to occur so that his equation can work out. It's like, couldn't you just like manipulate space-time or the way that <laughs> physics work? Just be like, actually, yeah, that's still free will. I define it as free will. That's free will. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Stop complaining. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> this starts like bends over, pips it, pulls his robe up, and starts talking out. But. <laughs> Uh, well, on the, on the other side of the, um, uh, the crazy aisle, I guess people, this one dude in Miami beach, Florida was upset that folks weren't social distancing. So he fired warning shots in, in a hotel lobby. (laughs) I think that's incredible. (laughs) Like I've always wanted to be in a situation where somebody puts a gun up in the air and starts shooting. Yeah, that sounds great. I would love to be there too, Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it says masks infringe upon their individual rights. Stores and businesses have rights too. I don't like that. That's a slippery slope. That's a slippery slope. Considered private property. No, stop that. That's not the way to look at that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Just focus on the behavior of the person who's doing wrong. (laughs) Right. Don't, you don't have to be like, they can do what they want because it's their private property. Yeah, exactly. It just glorifies private property. I feel like it should be yeah. more of that. I should have the freedom as a living person not to be endangered by other living persons. Can we all just take care of each other? Mm-hmm. That's so much better. Is Instead, if you if you go the route of private property, people have the, the right to do what they want. If uh, businesses are people too, yeah. then... You're just gonna have racial segregation again. People being like, "Ah, well, you know, it's my business, and I don't." And want I can do whatever I want. Store. 
Yeah. I, I can discriminate against the gays. I can mm-hmm. wah, 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 wah. It's not safe to have them in there. You're gonna yeah, eat I, all the babies. Right. And then yeah, you could have like some conservative right whites is like, Well, if they have the choice to make me wear a mask, I should have the choice not to serve blacks. Yeah. <laughs> like wait. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. I am failing to see the relationship. Yeah, it but private property. Oh, he's got a point there. He said private property. He said the word. This is escalating, man. People are shooting shooting random warning shots. Yeah, I really hope that he shot the ceiling and then parts of drywall just came down on top of his head, like that happens in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of like a break over his head comically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The entire support <laughs> yep. bar just comes down and crushes him. <laughs> yeah, that's karma for you. <laughs> um, well, um, let's hope that one of these warning shots doesn't immediately lead to, you know, Fort Sumter moments. Something to that effect. I would imagine you'd have to do something a lot more dramatic rather than just an altercation between two people about... Um, uh, you know, public safety concern. At least I would hope so. Um, I mean, as soon as people start brandishing deadly weapons in public on the on the regular, which does seem to be growing, I don't know if it's because the media is just kind of twisting towards that type of interaction. This person has a gun. Make sure you get a camera on him because yeah. they're sure to do something stupid. <laughs> Well, so here's an, a fun intellectual argument. So by someone not wearing a mask, they're endangering other people's lives, right? Yeah. Effectively, you don't know whether or not you have the disease. You can't like 100% know. It's like Schrodinger's coronavirus. You don't know whether or not you have it until you get tested. And after you get tested, you still don't know whether or not you have it until the next time you get tested. It's it's perpetual. You never can truly fully know whether or not you have it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what's the difference? <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. What's the difference between uh, not wearing a mask and walking around with a gun? Guns could kill people, but <laughs> not wearing a mask could kill people. Therefore, he was just standing his ground against coronavirus. I don't know where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think on the on the far right, it, it becomes more of a um, uh, uh, an an argument about independent uh, willpower and the ability to be able to choose what you want to do with your life, regardless of how it affects others. Mm-hmm, just like a, mm-hmm, a bowling ball force of willpower of like um, I can do what whatever I want. Period. Yeah. I can do whatever I want. Yeah, seriously. It's like as long as I have the ability to be able to enforce what I want to do, I can do whatever I want. And that ideology has been popular throughout human history very, very, very long time, especially with the aristocratic sorts. Um, you know, like if I have the ability to go and take somebody else's land, that land is effectively my land. Um, or if I have the ability to endanger other people uh, – or, I mean, it's not it's not willful. It's not necessarily like these people are going around and like purposely coughing on people in order to increase <laughs> the spread of the, the illness. But more so, it's just like I'm not going to inconvenience myself in the slightest, even at the right. possibility, the potential of keeping other people safe. Because right. I want other people to know just how powerful I am in this society, just how, how much of a bowling ball of free will I can be. Mm-hmm. 
Like, fuck you, fuck everybody, fuck details, fuck information. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's my choice that ultimately matters more than anything else except when it comes to abortion. You can't abort your own fetus. <laughs> That's the one thing that I can't do and neither can you. Okay, no, nobody can do that. But no everything can, else is free game. Yeah, everything else. Uh, and I'm speaking from the, uh, I guess, the perspective of a privileged white male like every other type of person has like some reduction in that say it's like <laughs> oh i'm a bowling ball of free will except i'm black so i can't talk to police officers without <laughs> fearing some type of brutality or if i'm a woman it's like well i don't really own my body at all and in many instances i'll just be sold into domestic slavery <laughs> it's like okay um and then if you go a little bit farther to the left uh, I, I think that uh, folks start making arguments like the one that was given to us on USA Today, uh, where uh, you know, like uh, you have more of a neoliberal approach. Uh, people claim that it, it's like this institution that uh, can oh. effectively inform us, but oh, more yeah. often than not, the businesses and the economy uh, are. Uh, still like the leaders of our society to an extent. So you should do what they say. The business said to do it. Therefore, yeah. you have to do it. This is where... <laughs> yeah, the basis then lies with the institutions in power <laughs> and not necessarily the individual bowling ball. Yeah. We, yeah. And we... if you scoot all the way to the left, they're all just like sitting in their houses and not doing... <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I'm going to wait for an opportunity to protest, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um... It would, that was that was like the worst political spectrum breakdown ever. I uh, just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, I have opinions and facts and oh, I have opinions. I think things that you should think them through. Yeah, <laughs> you, you should all think the same way that I do. <laughs> that's it, that's what, actually what my inner monologue sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, tell other people your opinion. They need to know what it is. Yeah. They care yeah, so they much. <laughs> it's really no, really. Important. They certainly don't need to know my opinion. Like, okay, so let, let's let's say that we're taking a totally passive role here. And instead of doing what this guy in Miami did, you see people that aren't wearing masks. You just distance yourself from them. You try to get as far oh, yeah. as you can away from them. Does that effectively mean that the only people in public are going to be non-mask-wearing bowling ball dipshits? I mean, I, I'm I'm in a state where... I mean, wait, what? I mean, I we mandate masks on a state level. and I mean, most people wear a mask. I don't know. I don't see that many bowling balls. You, you don't see a lot of people that aren't wearing masks? No, yeah, everyone's wearing masks. The only the only thing that that a, a grind my gears moment. There's just this one motherfucker that works at the grocery store near my house. Yeah. That this must be a fucking idiot. Um, and whenever he need he wants to talk to somebody, he pulls, he pulls down his down. mask mm -hmm. and shouts talks at them, and then he puts his mask back on, and uh, it completely ruins the entire efficacy and purpose of mask. And I stay as far as fuck away from that guy. But for the most part, everyone's wearing masks. Do you think that uh, folks like that understand what, uh, how other people view them when they pull their mask down? Absolutely not. There's no possible way he could know how, know how fucking stupid he looks. Otherwise, he wouldn't do it. Hmm. There's you no possible way. Do you think no if somebody explained way. to him, like, hey, you know, like when you pull your mask down, the, all the 
flagellum and shit that is going to explode out of your face when you talk to us like that is reducing the whole point behind maybe i I just i i it's not it's not the cross that i'm willing to die on so i'm not going to go and confront him i have to stay Mm -hmm. away from him yeah i mean what's the worst that could happen to me he could like pull out a gun and fire some warning shots yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) he like he he flips over the produce cart he's pushing around and it's actually just got an ak-47 in there i've been waiting to use this all day oh Oh, god God. why did my life become an action movie (laughs) why 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 is there an ak-47 in the bottom of the potato cart (laughs) It's amazing how quickly people don't want to be told what to do. Like, I mean, as soon as someone tries to correct them, especially if it's in a public setting, they'll just blow the fuck up. Like, you yeah. don't have a right to do that. Uh, I'm going to call the police. Instant, uh, yeah. Yeah, like, why don't you mind yourself, and I'm going to do me over here. Right. Like, remember the uh, one guy that, that told the the white lady in New York she needed to put her dog on a leash, and then she called the police to go kill him? Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a perfect example. Hey, put your dog on the leash. You don't got a right to talk to me that way. I'm calling the cops right now. Cops, there is a black man, and he is threatening my life. Yeah. It's like, wow, that escalated quickly. I just asked you to put your dog on a leash. Jesus Christ, yeah. (laughs) You know, that's. I think that's that's the perfect example of uh, Mm -hmm. people flipping out from being asked to do something, being corrected. Yeah. There's uh, there's a lot of entitlement there. Um, yeah. A lot of folks that believe that they have a, uh, I mean, and they probably do. I, I I was about to say like that that belief that they have an establishment that is protecting their independent rights, but yeah. any instance that they think that they can have that amount of entitlement and just simply call up a police officer and say, hey, come kill this guy. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that they're. Depending on the context of the situation, there are situations where the police officer would answer that call, and there might be some type of altercation in favor of the person that called. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, have you have you read the book To Kill a Mockingbird? <laughs> Do you remember how that worked out? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's you know, it. so it's years not- and years and years of of uh, institutional privilege. Institu- maybe, maybe that's what we should say instead of like institutional racism. We should just use the inverse, like whatever the antithesis is, institutional privilege. Yeah, like there I, are certain people that have benefits that other people don't have. Yeah, I mean it's definitely both, right? And it's like the also the institutionalized um, protecting of white women in our society of I don't know using the forces that exist of whatever institutions in this case the police department to mm-hmm. i don't know protect their weak femininity you know of like they must be protected we're going to remove the violence out of this group of white women and then put that violence into another group to be enforced for them mm-hmm. and a lot and a lot of the i mean of course very sweeping broad brush type statement incoming <laughs> i think a lot of the police officers probably would eat that right up like they probably have a, a protector complex already. Um, I know that when I was considering being a, a, a police officer in my youth, I, I thought that I would be able to save people. You know, like I mm-hmm. thought that I would be put in a position to act as this guardian, and that comes from a place of uh, egotism. 
the the thought that you know you have this superhuman type power to be able to go around and save the world, save princesses from castles, you know, right? Superhero style. Yeah. Uh, I'm a superhero. And and when the world starts to to flip out of control and you recognize that you don't have the superpowers that you believe you did, I I think it creates a a terrifying circumstance for a lot of those individuals, which ultimately leads to maybe that guy who got called to kill the black dude to literally shoot him. (laughs) Because he's like, oh, God, like, I'm not able to de-escalate this quickly enough, Uh, you know, reasons why not necessarily withstanding, albeit training is probably a big part of that and de-escalation tactics being a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but more so that they have this, this very powerful piece of technology on their hip that they can simply whip out and be like, people, people respect this because what more do people have in common than, than life? You know, if, if they recognize their own mortality is, now in the confines of this conversation and can be removed from them if they make a wrong movement, how much more powerful can I get? <laughs> how, right. how much how much more of a superpower can I feel like or feel like I have apart from pointing a gun at an unarmed unarmed person? Mm-hmm. This lady in the background is standing there with her dogs being like, kill him, kill him, kill him. Yeah. Shoot kill him. 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 Destroy him. He told me to put my dog on a leash. And then the police officer turns around and is like, yeah, you should probably put your dog on a leash. I'm like, oh, no, I'm being attacked. I got to call <laughs> another police officer to kill this police officer. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Cool. So speaking of, um, uh, you know, state-enforced bullshit, how about this 43% of American renters now face the risk of the addiction? Speaking of the uh, reason why we need this state-enforced bullshit, yeah, that's mm-hmm. not a that's a, a bad statistic. Um, I haven't I haven't been keeping up too much with mm-hmm. uh, what the uh, good old Congress is trying to do to prevent this from happening. But mm-hmm. from the little bit I've been scraping without do, looking deep into it, they're not doing shit. Um, they, I don't think they've come to any solutions and they've kind of uh, just kicked the bucket down the road. I don't know if they've passed anything. I could be wrong on that. If they pass anything, uh, it's going to be short of what is needed because if I'm not mistaken, uh, the last month of July, uh, the end of July is when the extra $600 a month from unemployment that dried up the uh, moratorium on uh, federally given loans uh, for houses uh, that dried up and um, yeah and that's why we're probably getting to this number of 43% of a well this is renters so I don't even know this is, this is going to be a total this is a totally separate issue mm-hmm. but equally bad so you've got 43% of renters God knows how many millions of people that have uh, mortgages that are going to owe up three months of rent uh yeah no uh it's bad <laughs> yeah it, it's real bad hmm. yeah looking over this map it seems like uh uh well off the top of my head i haven't memorized which states are tenant versus landlord friendly but i i know that at least a couple of these aren't the they all landlord have, friendly 
Okay, technically yes. <laughs> I, I think that if you're if you're trying to establish like a dichotomy between those two, uh, there are some states that afford tenants more more rights, not not a sufficient amount of rights granted, you know, to recognize them as independent human beings that uh, are effectively equal to all the people who are renting as well and so on and so forth. Uh, but more so just that landlords have this these unique powers in certain states to be able to just wreck people's lives based on the fact that they own properties that other folks are, are renting. Their rent-seeking mm -hmm. grants them all kinds of uh, unique capabilities. Um, and a couple of these have the highest numbers. Uh, I think uh, this, the state in which I live is one of the highest um, at 58% in Tennessee, um, which is no surprise. Like I, I'm technically, I was being evicted as well. So that's just, uh, uh, I think that that's a result of, of the, the powers in, granted by the Tennessee state government to allow landlords to evict people in, 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 especially harsh ways. Um, Just to be clear, you weren't being evicted due to lack of funds. You were being evicted because your landlord had just had the power to do that at a whim. Um, uh, well, yes and no. Uh, like We also didn't want to purchase the house, and because Tennessee does not require a... Um, uh, does not require the... Uh, the people who are selling the home to offer it to the renters first, like some states do, mm -hmm. uh, then it immediately can just become an eviction process. Yeah. Uh, like, well, we want to put it on the housing market, and because we're probably going to sell it for more than what we would expect you would be willing to pay, or you know, we're trying to make it exorbitantly more expensive by making improvements to the house, and that's going to be impossible to do while you're living in it then we're just going to evict you on that basis. So it's not directly because I'm not able to pay a monthly rent. Right. Um, but it could very much be because I'm not able to purchase that house outright, um, at least not for what they would want to sell it for. Uh, yeah, um, but yeah, it's not nearly as bad as what's probably going on in, um, in the Nashville area in Middle Tennessee. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that that has become uh, much more exacerbated. I know a couple of folks who are living out of vans, um, who are uh, uh, effectively homeless. Uh, I, I mean, they, they of course have shelter over their head, or they know where to go in order to keep themselves out of harsh weather. Do they have but, a mailbox? But come, they do not. They homeless. do not have a mailbox, which means that they can't vote either in that instance, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, because your voting is tied to your landed property. Yeah. Wow, it's almost if like the land has a voting right and we don't. <laughs> weird. It's fucking weird. Yeah, it's pretty it's, weird. It's like my vote doesn't matter. It's it's like the land is voting in proxy for me through me. Huh. How do I feel about that? Uh, well, uh, let's imagine that all these people get evicted. What happens next? I mean, just on a cursory glance uh 58% uh, of people that are that are facing eviction in Tennessee get evicted uh, I, the, then you have um and these are this is 58% of renters i guess it also needs to be included there right so 58% of renters get evicted they're out on the street 
I mean, so, I mean, some people are going to move in with family and friends, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like a one-for-one one that all these people are going to immediately become homeless. But, I mean, it's not out of the equation. I mean, I'm sure some of these people are going to become fucking homeless. Mm-hmm. I don't know what other conclusions can be drawn from that. I mean, you're just going to have more societal unrest and more, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then all these, all these properties go on the market either as... Um, you know, properties for sale, or they could be put back on the renting market. Um, But in the instance that these 58% people are not able to pay rent in one way, and then, I mean, is it just going to be like a big scramble? Like every so often, like, oh, people can't pay their rent. Evict them all, and then they're going to be able to reshuffle based on what kind of meager incomes they have, if they have an income at all. Just just re-scramble down the bracket. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you don't have enough, then you get pushed all the way to the bottom. And the bottom become, is homelessness. And, and exactly, and then, and then you become homeless, and it and it terrifies all of the other people. And it's like you need to go get a job at McDonald's so that you, you don't can, become this person. Yeah, so you can pay like three quarters of your salary in order to have a place to live. No, you gotta yeah. But hey, you know it's it's beautiful because we have the choice to work. You know, in this country, that's the beautiful thing about capitalism. You get to choose. You get to choose to work or yeah. to not work. Yeah. Um, and there are all kinds of opportunities out there, no yeah, matter what. Especially this market. Tons of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Opportunities all over the place. Yeah. You hear that from political pundits pretty often on the wasteland of ideas that is Facebook, uh, especially folks that seem to be uh, aligned with American military interests. They seem to usually be like, uh, oh, well, you know, if you don't have a job, you can always go join the military or <laughs> something <laughs> wait, that. Wait, like, that mm. seems like the uh, really wait. So you're telling me the great thing about this country is that if it's so shitty, we can't find jobs. We can just like sell ourselves as yeah. soldiers to our yeah. own government. That yeah. seems that doesn't seem like a compliment at all. It really doesn't. It and seems really I, sad. I, I don't personally see it as a choice, but uh, you know, a lot, a lot of those folks do. And as long as there are large constituencies of people willing to support establishments that uh, that can perpetuate that that cycle, that that thought, that idea, <laughs> um, there's no reason why you can't have 58 percent of people being oppressed. Yeah, or or more so. I mean, it, it, it's just a matter of perspective. Um, it, it could work all the way up the bracket. Um, I, I feel like, uh, uh, taxing anyone in a working class feels fucked up. Like if, if I was, uh, if I was able to design some kind of tax code and I'm looking at all these people that have to effectively work for food, uh, why would I, why would I ever charge them a a tax for, uh, so you don't, you don't have sales tax on food in Kentucky. No. Um, I want to say. Does any state have tax on food? If there is one, fuck that state. Yeah. Well, Tennessee is one of the highest. On food? Yeah. You tax food? Yeah. In Tennessee? Yeah. God, y'all suck. Yeah, Tennessee sucks. That's horrible. No income tax. Who the fuck taxes food? No income tax. No income tax, but you tax food? Uh, okay, so uh, states that tax groceries uh, are Alabama and Arkansas at 3%. Boo! Hawaii, Idaho, Illinois. Hawaii? 1%. Yeah. 
Uh, Kansas, Mississippi, and Missouri at 1.225%. Boo! Uh, Oklahoma, South Dakota, and Tennessee at 5.5%. Utah, 1.75%. Virginia, 1.5%. Plus 1% local option tax. And West Virginia at 5%. So if you'll notice that there are some impoverished areas here, I'm looking at... Why are uh, all these poor states making people tax the food? Yeah, West Virginia, like West Virginia charging tax on food just seems fucked up. <laughs> it is like the one of the poorest states in the 50 and uh, uh, 5% is like, <laughs> fucking ridiculous. That's so high. Yeah. <laughs> like the only way I could logically get around taxing food of like, okay, if you're privileged enough to buy food, there's some people that can't afford food. All the tax money that goes from taxing food Goes to buying food for people that can't afford food, okay? Even Stevens, I'd be like, fine, mm-hmm. fine. I'll pay more for food so other people can buy the food. But I doubt that's how it fucking works, so fuck it. Yeah. Mm. That's like the I, only way I could logically get around that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, really, I don't really understand. Jesus. Quite amazing. Um, so in the instance that those folks are going to be... They just, they're struggling all over the place. They're being bled dry from from every direction um constantly forced to engage in what at a very superficial perspective is going to view this as a as a functional model you know like if you don't have people that are forced to work then people don't work and if people don't work you don't have a functioning society yeah but we but we have people that don't work now and it's not functioning (laughs) <laughs> just by the fact that all the jobs are going away our economy i think shrank 30 percent this month like our gdp sank 30 yeah. percent united states economy shrank 30 well let me look at the statistics united states economy shrank 30 percent let's see what we got <laughs> gdp second quarter data worst in decades here we go it's from the washington post so jeff bezos helped write this article and we got um gdp shrank at an annual rate of 32 percent according to the bureau of economic analysis the agency that publishes statistics on quarterly economic activity, although it usually stresses the annualized rate, that figure is less useful this quarter because the economy is likely to experience another collapse like it did in the second quarter. <laughs> so it's cool. If you look at it, you've got it, you got this chart here. You've got the Great Recession, which where it shrank by about 9%, and then you've got the COVID recession, and it shrank by 30 It's really fun to look at. It's pretty cool. So speaking of, of Bezos, it, it kind of reminds me of some commercials that I've been seeing. Dude, um, I hate commercials. Commercials are the worst. Uh, I don't These in particular are, uh, I think, evidence of <sighs> what could possibly be the they most your disgusting brain. job explosion of our time. If enough people weren't already working for Amazon, I think thanks to these commercials, you're going to see a lot of folks gravitating towards warehouse jobs. Yeah, because um, all the working for Amazon. other jobs are going away. Exactly. Box, if there's box no stores jobs, going away. Mm-hmm. Local and restaurants going away. You're totally dependent on uh, acquiring capital in order to further 
your uh, sustaining your needs as a as an individual human being. So you're searching around for all of these different jobs because you're not a property owner because you're risking uh, you're at risk of eviction. Uh, there are effectively no other jobs because pandemic has shut down so many aspects of our social culture. So now you see these these commercials because you're sitting at home alone. The only thing that you have to do in order to um, in order to entertain yourself or keep your mind aware is watch television because you have uh, systematically destroyed your ability to be able to focus on a book or read articles or educate yourself. So you're just sitting there and just like fucking melting your brain watching TV when suddenly an ad pops up that shows these happy dappy workers in an Amazon warehouse that are just gloating about how awesome their job is, how they can have all of the work they want. There was a fucking commercial <laughs> where a guy was working on an assembly line. He was he was taping up boxes and he's like, <laughs> if I ever want more work, there's always more work. That's what I like about Amazon. I was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is going on? It's like, and it's such like a diverse workplace. You, oh, you see yeah. like a bunch of uh, people that are speaking in Spanish or uh, people of non-white uh, ethnicities that are working on this line. It's like, although that probably is, you know, relatively accurate. I mean, like, if they're paying minimum wage, then chances well, they, are it's going to be non-white ethnicities working in those jobs. <laughs> yeah. But seriously, like. Uh, it, it, it's got all the makings of like a really lazily put together commercial meant only to uh, exploit public in the time in which people are very needy for jobs and are looking at any any possible outlet for a money making endeavor. Oh man, that's um, yeah, fucking gross. Yeah, that. It, uh, I feel like I'm getting on tangent mode. I'm about to like go on a tangent. Do we have anything relating to prisons? <laughs> Do we have anything relating to prisons as far as stories are concerned? Um, well, that's the through. other place you go if you don't uh, go go the homeless route. I guess yeah. you could go to yeah, three hots and a cot, right? You know, that's an option. Mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily prison related. There's a story. Uh, well, it's the social workers, right? Yeah, social workers instead of more officers in Alexandria, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. um, what they decided to do, I think they did this a few years ago. They hired a social worker instead of hiring a new police officer, I guess when the budget came around and it ended up saving the department, uh, 45 to $50,000 a year by having this person respond. And basically how it works is the police officers respond to the situation. And then if they are an uh, immediate need of a social worker or a social worker just goes there and helps resolve the situation because normally how it works is police officers show up and then they get referred into a social get referred to a social worker and then god knows when they actually get to meet with them to help fix their situation so in this case officers show up make sure the scene is safe if it's a situation where they need a social worker the social worker gets called shows up to the scene and immediately helps the individuals or families or whatever uh, with whatever crisis they're in to get them into the system to help them with blah -de blah 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 mm -hmm. Because it takes someone with a uh, uh, an, an expansive degree in order to determine where to plug these people into the bureaucratic system yep. of rejuvenation. Exactly. Mm. Which yeah, so, like, yeah. 
Your, your job is to effectively make sure that on one hand, people get put in contact with the folks that they need in order to have their basic needs met. Yep. And on the other hand, to ensure that these violence-hungry police officers are not going to brutalize someone in the midst of your presence. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. These people are also deployed in tandem with police officers. So oh, there okay. is no instance in which they are just going to send the social workers out. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And I would imagine because of their ratio from social workers to police officers or just simply how cheap it is to train a police officer versus a social worker, that they're just going to have more police officers. So every time a police officer is sent out does not mean that a social worker goes with them. And in fact, it would probably only be under specific circumstances that a social worker would be called. Um, Maybe like if, if it was dealing with children or some other segment of the population that people have a universal compassion towards um in the instance that like it's a it's a bunch of brown people that are in the midst of a fight like there's no way they're going to set a social worker out there (laughs) should be like no the police officer's got it taken care of yeah you got your gun on you right go go take care of it yeah yeah dual wielding right buddy go do that yeah yeah i don't need a free hand yeah oh man don't need backup where i'm going wait what Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's good. But what did you want to say about the uh, prison system? Uh, what I wanted to say about prison system, uh, it was more so like a, a someone I know situation. Uh, I was talking with someone who had worked or not only is currently working in a police force in the metropolitan area in Middle Tennessee, but also has worked at several correctional facilities uh, and, and jails, uh, both private and federal. And... Uh, some of the things that they were telling us about their experiences stood out to me as being uh, indicative of the institutional problems, at least in the way in which we view, uh, air quotes, criminals, right? Like mm-hmm. people who uh, people who find themselves in these holding facilities are in a ratio of correctional officers to these uh, the offenders – uh, one to 180. So there's quite a few more. And what with what's going on and, and some of the rhetoric that was being used around the conversation, I was wondering, why don't these people unify and, you know, try to get out together? I feel like with just like the sheer mass of people that you have, uh, you know, a, apart from all of the technology that's keeping them separated or uh, the, the the bottlenecks in these draconian style prisons that are preventing them from being able to uh, to um, organize together. Like, why is there not like a network of communication that would assist individuals uh, to collaborate in, sol- <clears throat> in solidarity in a group effort in order to break out? Snitches. Snitches. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, in a myriad of other things, like humans are very ingenuitive. Like they, there's always going to be an adaptation to any given situation. And with prisons, it should be no different that there are going to be people that are willing to uh, to band together for the common good of everyone that's being held in that location and try to bust everybody out. Uh, the response was effectively they only care about themselves. That's why they're there in the first place. I was like, hmm. That's really interesting because I'm like I'm of course I'm thinking in my head like what what all do you need to do in order to get to a jail and I know that uh, our society likes or it, our society modern day society uh, has developed this uh, dichotomy between violent and nonviolent offenders which I think is not even accurate to begin with it's like 
I, you know, they, they're, I they're accurate. What do you mean not well, accurate? Well, I think that it's accurate to a certain extent, but you're still stigmatizing them in an unequal and very base way. Like, if someone is a violent criminal, right? Like, what exactly does that indicate? It means they physically harm somebody. Yeah. I mean, but there are many different instances in which physically harming someone is not only, uh, you know, acceptable— but it's sometimes the right thing to do. It just depends on the way in which our justice system has taken in this information and and then retaliated based on how they were violently offending. Uh, I mean, take, for example, a, a protester that throws a tear, tear uh, gas canister back at a cop. That's a violent crime. Fair so enough. now they're a violent offender, and they're going to be stigmatized continually like that. Um, I mean, it would probably be more accurate to say, like, people who have committed aggravated assault and battery against individuals who were not in any way, shape, or form retaliating, armed, or, uh, you know, instigating said violence. It's like, yeah, but how do you define that? So it's like, I don't know. I feel like the more simple that you make uh, the categorization of criminals, uh, the easier it is to simply just lump them into two categories. It's kind of like it's kind of like the same thing between um, the legalization of certain substances. Uh, like when you say, "Oh, well, you know, you should legalize pot because alcohol is worse." It's like, well, that you don't you don't want people to like make the the crimes more hefty associated with uh with alcohol or you don't want to like just try to like divert attention to something else in order to try to push through whatever you want to happen mm-hmm. it's like you have to view both of these from uh a more empirically valuable stance right you want to make sure you're making decisions that you're making on a good foundation that way it's not going to have negative repercussions based on the logic you're using to get to the goal of whatever you're doing kind of like what we were getting yeah. about earlier it's like you shouldn't people shouldn't have to wear a mask just because we worship private property so much and we mm-hmm. decided that private property should be allowed to do whatever they want on private property like people the justification between, behind wearing masks should be based on something better. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't over can't can't extrapolate with negative repercussions in different directions. Yeah. Yeah. We no. We I mean that, that totally uh, makes COVID-19 sense. COVID nineteen transmission occurs via um, like uh, mucus and phlegm and spit and all that kind of stuff, and that usually comes out of your mouth and nose. So if you wear a mask, you greatly reduce the possibility that you're going to transmit it to someone else. It's like that, that's just. Like, it's based on empirical evidence. We know how noses work. We know how mouths work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doesn't have anything to do with any kind of political, uh, politicized message. It's like, no matter how much you'd want to bring that into the equation. Um, so, uh, let's see. What? How? I feel like I kind of got off, off track there. Prisons... Oh. So the prisons. Well, so I've got a question for you. If we're going to talk fun uh, thinking games, okay. So you're like, oh, there's 180 prisoners to every guard. Why don't they work together and get out? Okay, you and you and I, Tim, we're in free society. There's how many thousands of people to every politician? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why do we put up with this shit? Well, yeah, that's that's exactly what. Okay, so to finish that up, um, the, the the correctional officer guy, uh, he said that no one wants to take the shotgun blast first. Yep. And 
I understand that. And now, does that mean that they're all out for themselves? No. <laughs> they they just they just recognize that the first person that starts out is inevitably going to lose their life in a very gruesome way. Yep. It's like that's a pretty damn good uh, de incentive from doing anything. Yeah, that's that's different than I just don't give a fuck about anybody else. It's exactly. more of like I don't want to die for nothing. <laughs> it's not why they're there, and it's not why they're not rioting together because riots still do happen protests still happen people still go after politicians that are treating them incorrectly but at a certain point you have to recognize that there is a uh, an equivalent apathy that correlates to their willingness to um, rebel against power mm-hmm. uh, they, they have to recognize that their their life as it stands is not as valuable uh, as uh, the general welfare of their communities or you know maybe their their idea to um, be able to speak against these structures uh, I, I'm sure that there's a, a you know there, there's a, a, an issue with the human condition uh, relating to uh, the feelings of oppression or um, indentured servitude or uh, many of the other wrongdoings or, or uh, oppressions of uh, an ineffective power structure that mm-hmm. will urge humans to interact with it in such a way that they're going to disregard their their own sense of safety. Right. Um, and so and so if we're going to keep going down that rabbit hole, I've been thinking a lot lately just about revolution in general. And if you look at the the material conditions of the places <laughs> where this this happens it it it's generally tends to only happen in places where people literally have nothing else to lose you know you look at uh uh the french revolution you know people starving all over the goddamn place uh literally nothing to lose you look at the bolshevik revolution in uh uh russia i mean the life expectancy was like 30 years or less over there people were starving they had nothing else to lose you look at the the communist revolution in china basically the same exact fucking thing you know um so i mean even in prison you know people got three hots and a cot you know things are pretty bad i mean occasionally you'll see uh, prisons doing hunger strikes and stuff like that but uh, none of that ever gets publicized by the news, so nothing ever fucking changes. And as you stated earlier, we've already declassified uh, human beings that are criminals as a subspecies that we've decided we don't care about. Kind of like we've designated animals as a subspecies that we don't care about. They're literally a different species, but uh, we don't care about the fucking uh, animal torture that goes on in those facilities. And I think going to the American populace at large... And why revolution isn't going to happen is because we're all too fat and lazy with cheap McDonald's that we're kind of just okay with watching Netflix because we know that even if we run out with a Molotov cocktail and scream revolution, that we'll just get mowed over by a tank and everyone will just keep eating popcorn. Yeah, I'm I'm tired. You know what I I mean? I do. I absolutely know what you mean. Like I, 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 I don't want to get mowed over by a tank while everyone's eating popcorn. Yeah, especially if it's only going to mean uh, a, a month of hearty protests that slowly morphs into race war. 
Like I, I don't I don't want to see uh, like the media manipulate my death. And well, obviously, I'm not going to see it. Uh, but I, I, I would not want to. I would hope that that wouldn't be the case. That it wouldn't simply be turned into this politicized message that led to a, a minor bill change in our neoliberal <laughs> government. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, they were just here to Tim Carpenter bill. Uh, yeah. So um, we got to take the spikes off the tank treads. You know, spikes on tank treads, that's an inhumane to crush somebody. If you're going to crush somebody with a tank, no spikes. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all the wealthy aristocrats clap. Yeah, Thanks good, to good Tim, job. no more spikes on tank treads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what that's what done smooshed him. That's, that's what, what smooshed him. It was all the spiky spikes. Yeah. Yay! Mm-hmm. What a free society we live in. But I'm I'm it's tired. So like, what, what leads people to complacency? Why is it that even though they're aware of many of the issues that are constantly revolving around them and working them into this uh, oppressed box? Uh, that they are are not going to go out uh, and and do anything about it. I, well, I think part of the sorry. complacency comes from not knowing what they ought to do that's going to produce any measurable change. That's something. There's just it's just ignorance, right? Like it, I don't it, really know yes. what to do, so I guess I'm gonna do nothing. I, I certainly don't want to be manipulated by uh, powerful individuals that are working on the periphery of the social structure. Uh, that are going to be against what what whatever is going to benefit uh, my current circumstances. So I might as well not do anything because at the very least I'm uh, you know I'll, I'll die slightly less tired. Or <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I think I there's a, a heavy deal Netflix. of lethargy of not knowing what the right thing to do is, and I think there's also just a willing complacency. I mean, a lot of the people. Like, if we talk about this shit, too, you know, their eyes will just start to glaze over, and they'll either just, like, zone it out, A, or B, get willfully violent of just, like, <laughs> mad that you're telling them about shit they don't know about, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, there's plenty of people that are just, like, they don't want to know. They want to, they want to believe the bullshit fantasy they've been fed their entire life. Like, they willfully want to live in the fantasy they've been told they live in uh yeah that, that's that's kind of the theme of the episode right we, we, that was one of the first points that we were talking about like, it, it doesn't take much for someone to be satisfied uh with the uh confirmation biases they've delivered to themselves thus far mm-hmm. uh and in the instance that they are going to receive uh a, a presented to them the opposition, the adversarial argument, all it takes for them is to to try to poke a hole in it um, that is sufficient to their comfort level. It doesn't doesn't have to be substantial. It doesn't have to prove it wrong empirically, uh, but more so just a, a allows them to be able to sleep at night. Um, you know, to to turn on the Netflix, uh, to um, you know, uh, watch YouTube or continue to go to work. I guess more so just like, uh, you know, continue on with their nine to five, uh, you know, their, their, the menial lifestyle, uh, in, engaging in their non-consequential hobbies or interests or, yep. uh, in, anything else that's not necessarily productive to well-being or a happy lifestyle, but much less the happiness and well-being of the society around them. Yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know.
Yeah, and if you're just going to keep going down that route, I mean, even doing things like such as like engaging in certain nonprofit efforts in order to try to uh, improve the lives of other, all it does is kind of sanitize the shitty system we have. It's like a yeah. band-aid approach to fixing the uh, the awful uh, systemic structures that create people in horrible conditions that need the help of nonprofit groups to go save them, hmm. and then but and then they can all. Pat themselves on the back of like, mm-hmm. hey, look, 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 look at us. We uh, we helped some people that were utterly destroyed by this awful hell torture machine uh, system we all devised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're doing so much good. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, you're like uh, <clears throat> you could be a hero one day. You could be honored and revered. Yeah, uh, you could have like some sometimes after your death, especially. Sh- yeah. Uh, if you if you go a little too far, if you if you test the waters a little too much, and you end up falling right through the ice, um, you could be honored after your death. You know that's <laughs> well, that's what I used to talk about of like when I was working at Trader Joe's. It's like yeah, I just work so hard that I get crushed by one of the pallets, like it just like falls on me, <laughs> like I don't know, yeah. a bunch of grocery goods, and then I could mm-hmm. be honored. As yeah. the uh, guy who tried to stop the pallet from falling over, <laughs> they they could have like a little plaque in the in the Trader Joe's in honor of Jimmy Horn for yeah trying they to just, stop the pallet. They leave that one pallet right where it's at and just like yeah. put poor bronze all over it, and then like there's like a little yeah. plaque, and it's like this is where Jimmy Horn gave his life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and there's like a little chalk mark on the ground of where my body was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is where he lay in his final moments, yeah. crushed by the weight of his hard work. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, so disgusting. Uh, speaking of that, I, and I don't know if we, I don't know if we've discussed the in, industrial death uh, prior. I, I think maybe one of our earlier episodes. Um, but uh, a couple of my family members work for a, a large, uh, a, a large aluminum manufacturer in Kentucky, mm-hmm. and. There have been deaths at, at that place, and whenever that subject is breached, and it inevitably is, it inevitably is for each and every worker. You know, despite my relationship with uh, people that had worked there prior in my family, and I had heard about it before uh, when I worked there, um, just for one summer when I was younger, uh, they, of course, it would come up in casual conversation every once in a while. It's like the people that had died, and whenever that subject was breached it wasn't breached in the same way that we talk about you know our our martin luther king juniors right it wasn't like oh yeah somebody like gave their life it was more so like oh we're we're actually not supposed to talk about that what um, the fuck if we just... could just like uh, push that under the rug and, and and it would always be one guy that was like hey you shouldn't do that because then you could end up like joe smitherson joe smitherson did something like that and he got himself fucking crushed and then somebody else on the team would be like, "Hey, hey, hey stop! Don't, you're gonna scare him. You're gonna scare him. Don't, don't talk about that. We're not supposed to talk about that." And it's like, no, he needs to know. No, it's I, important. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, people don't even want to talk about that. Like, it's it's inappropriate to discuss. Uh, like, uh, no, it's important. It was last episode, I believe, we talked about uh, being able to um, speak to power structures, like being given a podium in a church and, and deliver a sermon, right? Um, you know, all of that, all of that 
resource, that, that economic resource, that captive audience that is just going to yeah. eat up whatever you say. Well, attention uh, re- resource, right? You know, people, everything is screaming for your attention. That's the entire is. internet. Yeah. yeah. So, so to have a captive audience that like all their attention's on you, that's priceless. Mm-hmm. So imagine going up to a podium like that and saying, I understand that you all are here to be spiritually fed, <laughs> but <laughs> are your spirits hungry? Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about something very dismal and depressing, and that is death in industry. <laughs> and and then you start showing pictures. or <laughs> It's like, yeah, that's happened. That That's fucking happened. I remember growing up, hey, story time with Tim. God damn it. <laughs> I remember growing up, and uh, in order to justify certain mission trips, which for all those out there that are listening in are unfamiliar with what a mission trip is, evangelical Christians will take individuals from their church and they will pay lots of money to send them to some war-torn, terrible, explicitly non-Christian location. Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but still relatively colonized by the English. And that's yeah. something that is ex- this is always explicitly true. It's like yeah. you send them to places that have been colonized hey, by tea. European ancestors prior, have been war-torn as a result of that colonization, and are now experiencing a diversion away from Christian practices, which is what they were colonized into. So yeah. we send the mission missionaries over there in order to try to bring them back, you know, like yeah. increase colonization efforts again. So you're telling us if we go and sit and read the Bible with you, you'll give us a free meal? Yeah. yeah oh. Fuck yeah, we're coming. Mm-hmm. And like, and you'll you'll build us a building with a lot of bunk beds in it. It's like, whoa, we'll build you a church. And they're like, okay. Oh, can, can we sleep in it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can we sleep in it when you leave? <laughs> oh man. But they would show us pictures. They would have slideshows, and it was like, oh, this is going to be really graphic, but we want to show you why we need to be there. And they would just show us terrible pictures. Uh, I was yeah. like, well, what's the difference between that and what I'm planning on doing? It's like, I want to show you the horrors of industry, like where you're getting your aluminum cans from. These people die. You know, like, or yeah. where you're getting your. Uh, uh, your your energy from you know coal keeps the lights on. Here's what black lung looks like. You know all that kind of shit. Like, right. Why are we continually just sweeping that under the rug? I grew up hearing sermon after sermon in the exact fucking same way. Just hey guys, love Jesus, love God. We're gonna pass around the plates and then you put the money in there and that's it. Bada bing, bada boom. Uh, my sermon's opinion. done. My business practice is done. It's like, talk about the important shit. Like, you have yeah. the opportunity. You claim to be a good person. Do the right thing. Talk about the issues that are going on today. Don't use your podium to... But, Tim, right back complacency. People want to be complacent. People want to feel comfortable. People go to that church because they make them feel complacent and comfortable. But the, no, that's not it. They don't yeah. feel complacent and comfortable. They make them feel uncomfortable enough... That they're going to put money into the basket thinking that yeah, they're going exactly. to get something from it. Exactly. You make them feel uncomfortable to the extent that when they put the money in, they are absolved of their uncomfortableness. But not which so makes them feel comfortable. Which makes them feel what? But not so uncomfortable that they that they exactly. leave, that they totally abstain from the community. Exactly. Yeah. You gotta make them feel uncomfortable. It's like, hey, you feel am I making you feel uncomfortable? All right. 
here here's here's the special part. You'll start feeling comfortable again as soon as you put money in that little plate right there. Mm-hmm. That's right. You just got to put money in that plate and you'll start feeling good again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it, and if your message isn't explicitly about giving to the church, you can always work in, "Hey, you know, God's asking 10% of you. He gave you all all 10 all 10 parts. He just wants one." You know, come on now. You know, 10%, that's what you owe to God. The, uh... Yeah, okay. I... It's bullshit. Go ahead. I was going to say, uh, speaking of, of fucking uh, uh, watching people get brutalized in aluminum factories, I watched that goddamn Earthling fucking documentary. Was it good? I, I, didn't, oh, I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> 10 out of 10 worst way to start a day. Yes. Ten absolutely worst fucking way to start a day <laughs> ever. Like I woke up, you know, got my coffee, uh turned it on in the background and like was uh, it was a work day, so I was mostly listening to it, but occasionally I'd be like, what the fuck am I hearing? And I'd go back and I'd look at it and be like, "Oh god, no. Why did I look at this?" I mean, it is ju- it's basically a snuff film with animals, right? You know, they're not they're not coming at you from a point of logic of reasoning of why you should do what you're doing. It's just all sad orchestral music and animal abuse Mm -hmm. for an hour and a half. Just watching. It's got everything, man. It's got seals being clubbed. It's got um, uh, cows getting their slits throat and blood flying all over the place. It's got people beating pigs. Until they can't move and then still cussing at the pig while beating it with clubs. It is – it's everything. It is everything. Why would they fucking do that? What what, what, what purpose does that even serve? They just so, want to like beat, so, beat the shit out of something? So here is my – here's the inner workings of my brain. So you have – uh, you have mechanized, industrialized farming systems, right? Where the entire goal is in, is to maximize profits. So you it, it you put these animals, let's say, let's just go through pigs, uh, in conditions that they are not made to live in. They're overcrowded. They're spaced too close together. They're scared. They're unclean. You know, cutting every corner possible to ensure you can sell bacon at the store for two fifty, three dollars a pound, or whatever the fuck. Make sure it's cheap as hell. So when you put pigs into these conditions, um, they're aggressive, uh, they're unfriendly, they, they bite themselves, they bite others, they, they're at risk of biting the people that work there. And so you do certain things like you take out their teeth and you clip their ears and you dock their tails, and uh, which are all obviously things you're not supposed to do to an animal. And then, so these animals are just furtherly more aggressive and don't do the things that the people that work at these places need to do and order them to do whatever. And also, much like the police department, an institution of institutionalized violence and stuff like that, if someone with empathy like you and me, Tim, if we're in a, we worked at a place like this, we would last maybe two days before we would get out. So you're going to attract people that are able to do this awful uh, I would use the word dehumanizing, but it doesn't really make sense for a different species. But, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I, but it's the only word I can think of. These dehumanizing t- 
tactics on these animals that probably you're going to be an aggressive asshole that if you're okay with cutting the ears and tails and ripping the teeth out of pigs are probably also okay with beating the shit out of them if they don't do what you want them to do gotcha. and uh, i mean there's also gag laws in this country like you're not legally allowed to uh record videos of the things that go on inside these institutions and if you do you're liable to be sued heavily for it so i mean it's it's all just like a giant black box that you're not allowed to look inside of because they know what's going on in the black box is bad and people yeah. saw it people wouldn't want to be a part of it yeah the our our, our legal system upholding these standards. like the aluminum factory <laughs> yeah like you 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 know that it uh... Okay, so culpability, I think, is explicitly related to capacity to understand. And in the instance that you are a judge or uh, some kind of government official or uh, a an administrator within a large corporation, there is e explicit responsibility upon someone like you to ensure that things that are happening within the company are being uh, held to an ethical standard that is at least minimum to the, and I think you used a great term, to humanizing standards, right? Like if you are to do anything within that corporation that is going to ethically damage any resource, whether it be a pig, whether it be a human being, <laughs> uh, that you are to be held explicitly liable for any of the things that are going on based on the fact that you know that it's happening, based on the fact that you're perpetuating these certain institutions uh, in in their in their occurrence and reoccurrence, um, so by proxy we should be directing a lot of our anger at uh, these ad administerial figures uh, that are committing these atrocities. Granted, I'm upset at the guy who's beating the pig. Like, duh. Like, I mean, he's 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 you know some. I don't know how in the world you get that job. It, it reminds me of like a, one of our earlier episodes when we were talking about the the pig eye stabber job. <laughs> Like, oh yeah. How do you how do you find yourself in a situation in life where your boss is looking at you and it's like, all right, time to time to cudgel that pig. Go ahead and beat the fuck out of that pig. And the guy's like, okay, yeah. well, I guess it's my job. You fucking pig. Up. You know, I, I I don't know how you find yourself there, but nonetheless, for every unit of responsibility that that guy has, I think it's amplified amplified every step up the chain which is the inverse of how we normally treat it, where it's like every step away from the process that these people get, it's like the cleaner they seem. It's oh, like the, yeah. the, the more pristine yep. their their uh, their everyday life seems to us. And it's like, no. It's like every time somebody under them that they have direct jurisdiction over does something wrong, it should reflect on them in an equivalent amount, meaning that if you have a... a substantial enough quantity a critical mass of you know evil things being perpetuated then these people are just like these bloated evil figures in society that have absolutely no recourse to justice they're they're they're, they're to be held responsible but now uh, tim how are you supposed to keep awful superstructures of hate if you get rid of the guy on top that's responsible, if you want to maintain the superstructures of awful horribleness, you got to just take off the lowest rank and file and then recuperate someone else into that uh -huh. position to do the exact thing until they yeah. get booted. Yeah, clip off the tentacles, but never never attack the, the, 
vicious eye monster from Mars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it's awful. Dude. Yeah, it's it, okay. I, and, and this is just a, a little side. So it's like an hour and a half long of this. There's there's no happy points. There's no nothing good. Just watching animals get murdered and abused with sad music for an hour and a half straight, and walking Phoenix talking you through it. Right. Mm-hmm. Just all appeals to emotion, but you can't help but feel bad. Because it's looking you right in the face. Okay. I mean, is he is he talking throughout the entire process, explaining what's going on, or is he more like a narrator? Uh, like, uh, um, oh gosh, what's that English guy? Oh, uh, David Attenborough. No, it's not <laughs> David Attenborough. No, definitely yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now we see the pigs being clubbed to death. The brutality no. of the situation is apparent. Yeah, no, it's not that. No, or is it just mumbly dumbly Joaquin Phoenix? <laughs> it, it's just soft spoken Joaquin Phoenix telling you about how tragic and bad and how these systems are reproduced. And it kind of, it gets kind of just like a little glint, like a little glint at how because it kind of talks about these bad things just as if they're like innocuous bad things that just happen that are bad, and it kind of gets a glint. At the reason why these systems happen is capitalism, which is fundamentally where it comes from. Because, I mean, it talks like puppy mills and stuff like that. It's like, why do these things happen? It's like, people are trying to get money. Why are people trying to get money in this way? It's like, because there's no regulations on these things, so it, it's just lowest common denominator. You know, it's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't get at the heart of it. It's, it mostly just focuses on, you know, these things are bad. We, you shouldn't support these bad things. But little, little anyways... Uh, they could have it would have been super fucking based and awesome if it talked about capitalism at the root of it but it didn't so that's why you have to listen to me talk about why that's the reason why these things are awful like people aren't just like i want to torture pigs you know it's 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 more complicated than that it's you create these systems where people are trying to maximize profits and the end some result is torturing pigs but anyways so like an hour and a half like it's hour and a half long and like probably like hour 15 into it right they get to uh circus abuse and uh mistreating elephants and like you're you're already just so broken at this point right you're just mm-hmm. you've just been you've already been listening to this for an hour and you're just like god there are no ups in this fucking documentary and there was this part where an elephant from the circus breaks loose. Oh boy. Yeah. And uh, like the trainer that assumably has been abusing it is like on the ground and it's like trampling on him and oh, biting Jesus. him. Mm-hmm. And I've never cheered on elephants beating the shit out of people in my entire life. Like at that point, like you've just been. It, it, you, you basically have been like watching a movie with no ups, right, for over an hour, and like there's no hero, there's no protagonist that's going to save the day, like nothing is ending correctly, everything is just a down or downhill, and like that moment was like the only up the entire time. You're like, fine, like there's something I can at least cheer for. Like it's awful. Mm-hmm. That this person's getting stomped on by an elephant or whatever, but fuck it. I've been watching animals get murdered and abused for over an hour. Like, get him, elephant. But then, of course, the elephant got killed by the police after that. But it was good for, it was a good 30 seconds of uppers. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I guess that there's like a, a certain, like, karmic justice 
of like getting back. It's like the it's like the animal's able yeah. to fight back for once. Yeah, and then it's immediately put down. Yeah, yeah. Which, but which even so, like that's a terrible way to die. It's um, we we've talked. You know how many. We, police no, no, bullets no. it takes to take down an elephant it was a lot of bullets oh good god did they just like shoot it and shoot it and shoot it until oh it yeah it was horrible oh man it, why don't awful. they just shoot it in the head with something big because they're the police so they don't have elephant guns i mean they do but they just didn't bring them they didn't bring them and it's like <laughs> hey we we need you to take down an elephant it was like uh okay yeah <laughs> It's not like a military today. If they, if the military today was called to take down an elephant, they'd be like, "Oh, we have just the thing," and they'd be going yeah. a rocket launcher. <laughs> yeah, it's like drop a bomb from a helicopter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, that's terrible. Oh, I, dude. I mean, I feel yeah. compassion for the for that human being too. No. I mean, like, I, I certainly hope that none. I don't. You haven't watched the documentary, Tim. You don't understand. No, you're right. You're right. Like, I I don't have the same frame of reference, but I I know that... What do you watch it, you'll understand. Well, if you're just constantly fighting back and forth for violent control, there has to be this third path, right, where, like, people don't have to die, animals don't have to be brutalized, you don't have to have... The judges and and administrators and and government officials being these oppressors that uphold status quo, mm-hmm. like people can be left to what they're going to do, and then people will choose to wear masks. People will yeah. choose to wear masks because they know it's a good thing because empirical evidence is going to suggest that that is what's going to keep your society healthy, while technocratic individuals figure out how to manage the goddamn pandemic. That's it. That sounds like anarchism, Tim. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. <sighs> Unless you guys are going to take that as a sound bite and be like, oh, oh well, Tim, you said anarchism would be nice. He's a <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, Antifa, it's different. I mean, it's not all the same. It's not all, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Grace. Man, we had a shit ton of stories to talk about. We got, I guess we can save a couple for next time. Yeah, next more for next time. Uh, definitely the Sex Mad Monkeys. Tune in next time for Sex Mad Monkeys that Ooh, overrun the city. These monkeys <laughs> are mad, and they like sex. <laughs> these are great. What kind of macaques? Yeah, we'll talk about it next time. <laughs> I could probably make a whole episode about the vicious macaques, although that is kind of karmic justice as far as, like... Animals like taken humans. back. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's pretty great. <laughs> all right. If you all are interested in getting in contact with us, you can do so by emailing us at syndicatepowerment at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you there. You can also like us on Facebook at Cynic Empowerment, or you can tweet at us on the Twitter at Cynic Empower. Me, Juan, we would love to hear from you. It would mean a lot to us. And if you're listening to us through any of the listening apps, please like and review the show. It means a lot to us, and it helps other people find us. If you... Wait. Uh, we, if you have alien DNA and demon sperm, we would like to buy it for you as a COVID <laughs> cure. Uh, I don't know. Um, we yeah, like... If you do, we'll send you great dreams. Great dreams of a spirit husband or wife, whatever your preference may be, to visit you in the world in which you will have your spirit. Sperm tainted by 
coronavirus demon people. I, I don't fucking know. I don't. I, I can't remember all the story. <laughs> this is terrible, Jimmy. Everything in your womb. Everything that the evil spiritual husband or wife has deposited in you. You are a stranger. And the word of God says, strangers shall submit, they shall be afraid out of their close places. Right now, in the name of Jesus, go into labor. Go into labor. Go into labor in the name of Jesus. Begin to push out that evil deposit. Push it out. Push it out. Push it out in the name of Jesus. Push out the spirit husband. Push out the spirit wife. Push out the evil spiritual children. Now in the name of Jesus. Go into labor. Let your stomach begin to contract. Let it begin to contract. Let it begin to contract. Go into labor. Push it out. Don't tie your hands. The word of God says, every tree God did not plant shall be uprooted. The word of God says, whosoever is defiling you, the temple of the living God, God himself shall destroy. I don't care whether it's from your foundation, the gods of your father's house, the idols of your foundation, the spirit husband from your family. Right now, right now, push it out in the name of Jesus. Push it out. Push it out in the name of Jesus. Push it out of you now. Push it out. Push it out. Push it out. Push it out. In the name of Jesus. Go into labor. Go into labor. Push it out now. Push it out now. Push it out now. Push it out now in the name of Jesus. Begin to cough it out. Begin to vomit it out. Begin to push it out. Push it out of you right now in the name of Jesus.